Hello, and welcome to this weekend to Grace Church Medina East Campus. Uh, whether you're outside in the tent, inside in the auditorium, or watching this online, I am so glad you're able to join us. Uh, my name is Tommy, and I'm excited to finish our conversation on Recalibrate this weekend. Um, the goal of this entire series has been very simple. And actually, the word recalibrate, its definition truly reflects the goal of the series. This is what re- it is. Uh, recalibrate is to make adjustments or changes to correctly reset something. Um, to make adjustments or changes to correctly reset something. Or another way to put it, to change or adjust the way you do or think about something. We've been saying that the season has, in many ways, been a bit of a forced reset. Um, and now as things begin to shift and as we begin to rebuild our lives, this is a very important time not just to race back to what we knew before, but actually an important time and a fresh opportunity to recalibrate or make adjustments and to correctly reset our lives. Um, today, we're going to be concluding our conversation. So if you're just tuning in for the first time, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I actually encourage you, go back and listen to past conversations. You can check those out either on our YouTube channel or wherever you can find podcasts. You can find the Medina East podcast. But as for today, here's what we're going to be talking about. This is it. We're going to be saying the purpose of our lives is to glorify Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The purpose of our lives is to glorify Jesus Christ. Um, At the core of each of our lives is one single purpose, and this is it. (laughs) That's what we're going to dive into. So as we jump into this today and start to unpack it, I want to start off with a question. Have you ever heard of this phrase, uh, $10 church words? You ever heard of the phrase $10 church words? Um, Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Um, $10 church words are words you might hear in church, But if you've been around church for a while, they start to become recognizable. Uh, They're words that make you sound super spiritual and show that you know what you're talking about. However, if someone was to ask you what those words mean, it might take you a minute to recall what they mean. Uh, The cool part about these words, about $10 church words, is that when they get unpacked, they actually give us great insight into what following Jesus looks like. So, for example, three words, amen, hallelujah, and holy. There are tons of $10 church words, but these are three ones that you'll hear a lot. And actually, each of these words you may have heard us use in a song. You may have heard one of your friends in church use them. Um, But what do they actually mean? Uh, When we unpack them, what do they actually mean? Well, let's start with the word amen. Um, The word amen literally means it is true. Uh, If you ask my daughters this, whenever we end a prayer, we'll say amen. They'll say, what does that mean? And they'll look back at me and go, it is true. That's it. Um, Simply put, it's a Greek word that means everything that has been said before that amen is truthful, and I believe it. So when we pray and we end a prayer with amen, this is kind of cool, we are actually saying it is true that everything that's been said in the prayer before this is true, and I believe it. $10 church word, amen, the more you know. Um, So how about this next word, the word hallelujah? Well, the word hallelujah is a Hebrew word that is a command telling a person to praise the Lord, Um, praise the Lord. So during a song, we are literally telling those around us when we sing hallelujah to praise the Lord. It's kind of cool when you think about it. We are urging those around us to declare the greatness of God through song. Hallelujah. It's a command. There you go. Um, So how about this last one? What about the word holy? Well, the word holy means to be set apart. So when we say God is holy, what we are saying is he is categorically different than anything else. Uh, He is set apart or more special than anything else. Uh, $10 church words, these $10 church words at their core 
are words that we may have heard, but when we pressed, we may not fully know the meaning of what they represent. But now when you hear these three, you know what they mean. And when we unpack them, what's really cool about $10 church words is they give us great insights into what it means to follow Jesus. So let me ask you about another $10 church word, one more, and this is the word. The word is glory. Glory. Uh, it's a word that we typically don't hear or maybe don't even use in our everyday conversation. I have a five-year-old daughter. Her name is Hazel. And I'm trying to imagine her looking at me and saying this, Dad, the steak you just made is glorious. Now, while in my wildest dreams as a chef, I would love to hear her say this, uh, the reality is that is not what she would say. Now, while in my opinion, the steak is amazing, she would not use the word glorious to describe it. Um, glory is not a word we typically hear. Um, and so when we say it in church or we sing it in a song or two, or we say the purpose of our lives is to glorify Jesus Christ, what is it we're actually saying? Well, that's what we're gonna be looking at today. We're gonna be looking at what is the word glory and we unpack it, what does it show about what it means to follow Jesus? So we're gonna do that in two ways. First, we're going to look into what does the Bible have to say about glory? And second, how can we recalibrate our lives to make our purpose to be glorifying Jesus Christ? Tracking with me so far? Cool, all right, let's dive in. So first, let's look at what the Bible has to say about this $10 church word glory. To understand this, you need to know that the Bible itself is one big story split into two parts, kind of like Act 1 and Act 2. The first act is what we call the Old Testament, and the second one is the New Testament. Uh, the New Testament was writ written in primarily Greek and Aramaic. That was the language of the original text. While for the Old Testament, it was primarily written in Hebrew. Now, this is important because when we look at the word glory, actually understanding the Hebrew word for glory is going to help us understand what it means to glorify Jesus. And the Hebrew word for glory that we find in the Old Testament is this. It's kavod. Kavod. K-A-V-O-D. Now, this is not to be confused with COVID. Uh, this is kavod. Um, the word is used in three different ways. The word kavod is used three different ways. It has a literal meaning, a metaphorical meaning, and a physical meaning. Uh, check this out. The literal meaning of the word kavod, the literal meaning means to have extreme heaviness or immense weight. Uh, in today's non-PC terms, an overly fat person. <laughs> it literally is used to describe the weight of someone being immense or great or large, more than normal. So the literal meaning of the word kavod is extreme heaviness. Uh, that's the first use. Uh, the second use of the word kavod is actually metaphorical, and it can describe how someone feels emotionally. So if you were described to have a great kavod, it would be associated with having a great heaviness held within you. Uh, we actually use the same idea today to describe how we feel. We would say phrases like, I have a heavy heart, or I just heard heavy news, or the gravity of the situation. What is it that we're doing? We're metaphorically um, saying that there are literal images of weights that we're using to describe something that is weighing us down emotionally, spiritually, or physically. That's how kavod in the Old Testament is used sometimes. It is used to denote something that has a great weight upon us emotionally, spiritually, or physically. So while these first two uses of the word kavod can give us some insight into the word, what does it mean then to glorify Jesus? 
Are we saying that I need to be fat for the Lord (laughs) or that I need to have a deep heaviness or weightiness feeling inside of me when I think about him? Well, no, I don't think that's what it's meant to glorify Jesus. I believe the third use of the word shows us what it means. Um, Kavod's or its final or glory, its final use of the word can be seen this way. Um, It's a physical embodiment of one's importance, reputation, or significance. Uh, Let me say that again. It's a physical embodiment of one's importance, reputation, or significance. Um, While this feels like a a Webster's dictionary, let me give it another way. In other words, a person's importance and reputation is shown through what they physically have and own. A person's glory or kavod is defined by what they have and how much of that they have. So a person with great kavod has great riches or has massive physical masterpieces that show their great importance or power. These physical embodiments would actually point back to the weights or the reputation of the person who owns that object. Uh, For example, buildings with names on it show great kavod or glory of a person. Uh, Take, for example, this is the Hancock Building in Chicago. So my wife, Sarah, and I actually lived in Chicago for four years before moving to Medina several years ago. Um, We love this city. We miss it dearly. We're looking forward to the day we can go back and visit. Um, There are many good restaurants and people that we would love, love to go visit. But if you go to Chicago, when you're driving up, you'll see the skyline. One of the first things you'll see is the Hancock Building. This is right downtown Chicago. And at the time in which it was built in 1964, it was actually the second largest skyscraper in the entire world. Um, The goal of this building when they built it was to have anyone that looks at it that comes into the city say, wow, I wonder who built that. And so the name on it, John Hancock, the John Hancock building, actually points to an insurance company that's trying to show their power, importance, and worth through this massive building. Literally, this building was designed to enhance the reputation and importance of John Hancock Insurance to anyone in the city of Chicago so that when you look at it, you would buy insurance from them. That's literally what this is. Their kavod, their importance, worth, and significance is on display in the building and it leads you to do something. This is the core of what kavod is. Their kavod is on display for all to see. Their kavod or glory is a physical entity, the Hancock building, designed to point to the importance of this insurance company. So kavod is a physical entity designed to point to the importance, reputation, and significance of something else. So when we talk about the glory of God, what is it we're saying? Well, this is what we're saying. The glory of God is the importance, significance, and reputation of God on display through a physical entity. Let me me, me say that again. Track with me. The important significance and reputation of God is on display through a physical entity. What do I mean by this? What What does this definition mean? Well, Psalm 19 um, in the Old Testament actually shows us how this is played out. Check this out. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the kavod or the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. The heavens, all of creation, what? Declare the kavod. They are his significance. What is this verse saying? It is saying God's significance, reputation, and power is on display through the heavens or the clouds, the sky, 
the trees, the solar system, all of reality declaring the importance, reputation, and power of a creator God. The heavens are declaring that. They're showing off who he is to others. Years ago when I was in college, my dad and I actually took a road trip for spring break. We went and visited some family out in Arizona. It was a great time. Um, And while we were there, we were actually um, had the opportunity to go visit the Grand Canyon. Um, We had a chance to go visit it. Now, I don't know if you've seen the Grand Canyon. Um, Like any picture of some monumental thing, this doesn't do it justice. But I remember going um, and just standing there, and it was this massive canyon. um, And I was standing at the edge of it, and there was this huge pole. So I'm holding onto the pole, looking out. And I remember just standing there, just having this overwhelming sense of, wow. This is beautiful. (laughs) Gorgeous. It seems, um, when you look at it and you're standing there, it seems so far away. It's so massive. Yet, it seems so close that even all of this that's back here, um, I could be there in minutes, even though that is miles upon miles upon miles. It's it's monstrous. I remember clearly thinking, standing here, looking at the Grand Canyon, saying, wow, who made this? See, what was I doing? I was reveling in the kavod, in the glory of God. I was seeing his power and majesty on display through his creation. That's what I was doing. That's what Psalm 19 was saying. The heavens declare, or in this case, the Grand Canyon declares the glory of God. Uh, Tim Mackey, a great professor and Christ follower, he describes it this way. He says, all reality points to or declares and proclaims the power and wisdom of its maker and creator. Uh, The basic claim that reality as you and I experience it is the heavy hand work of a beautiful mind, of a mind and a being with such wisdom and power, and generosity, and creativity, that out of its mind and out of its being emerges the universe that you and I inhabit in all of its physical wonder. What is he saying here? He's saying God's glory is on display purely because he has the power to create it all and he did. He's saying this God, when we look at creation, what do we see in his creation? We see a God of power, and generosity, and creativity, and wisdom, this God that loves so much and has the ability to create, and we get to see his glory or his significance through his creation. See, God created everything, and it shows his importance, reputation, and significance, and power, and it points us to a creator God. It's so cool. Creation declares the glory of God. You want to know the craziest part, though? While all of creation points to the glory of God, amongst everything God created, the thing that he has declared as his greatest physical embodiment of his glory is mankind. You and I are God's greatest kavod. We are his greatest glory vessels. You see, at creation, you and I were the instrument by which God chose to make his glory or his power and reputation known to all of creation. We are his greatest kavod. Uh, Psalm 8 actually points to this. Check this out. Psalm 8 says, When I consider your heavens, O God, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? What are human beings that you care for them? Uh, Check out what the psalmist is saying here. He is saying, God, I see creation. I see the works of your fingers, the moon, the stars that you've all created. But where does mankind fit into this creation? He's basically asking, God, what's your intent or purpose for mankind? 
Check out here. The psalmist actually answers that question. What does he say? He says, you, God, have made them, mankind, a little lower than the angels and crowned them with what? Kavod and honor. Mankind is crowned with the God's glory and honor. You made them, mankind, rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish in the sea and all that swim the path to the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Look, what does the psalmist say? Mankind's purpose is? He says mankind's purpose is to display his reputation, God's reputation over all of creation. How crazy is that? Man was designed with the purpose and intent of sharing the power, importance, and reputation of God over all of creation. Mankind was created with a different purpose in mind than anything else. God created mankind to declare his power, authority, and reputation over all creation. We were meant to be image bearers or to be the skyscrapers of God's creation with his name stamped upon us. Uh, much like the Hancock building in Chicago, mankind was described, was designed to be the physical entity that points to the importance, reputation, and significance of God. This is absolutely incredible. The same God that created all that we know, the sun, the moon, the grass, the coffee you are drinking or not drinking right now, is the same God that has designed us to display that same glory to those around us. Man, this is good news. We have a purpose. You and I have an intent. We have a purpose. We're not just some random beings here. We actually have a design and a purpose for what we were created to do. And this is what we were designed to do, that in all we do, we bring glory to God. That was our intent. Now, while our original design was to glorify God, we messed that up. We miscalibrated our original intent and brought glory to ourselves. Uh, we began to build skyscrapers directing glory to ourselves instead of being the skyscrapers of God. Romans 3.23 puts it plainly for us. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, for all have missed the mark. Actually, sin, if you translate it, it just means to miss the mark. So what is he saying? He's saying all of us have missed the mark on what we were created and intended to do. Another way of saying it, all of us have started playing for the name on the back of our jerseys instead of the name on the front. Um, look, I'm a huge sports guy. Let me explain this. I love sports, uh, big time. I actually grew up playing basketball and soccer. Um, I love playing and watching sports. But let me just, let me, let me just one little thing that drives me nuts. Um, one of the most irritating things for me in team sports is when one person tries to make it all about himself. You know who I'm talking about? That's the type of person that's more about their own glory and they don't really care about the good of the team. They just got to get their stats. Um, little thing, it's called team sports for a reason. It's not about um, the individual. It's about the good of the team. This is what Romans 3 is saying. It's saying all of us have turned our back on our role on the team or our role of part of the family. And instead, we're living to make our own name great instead of the name of God's team great. That's what he's saying, that for all have sinned, all have missed the mark from what we were designed to do. The reality is um, none of us will ever measure up or reach the reputation of Jesus. We've all fallen short. In choosing to live for our own glory, we have become orphans separated from God's team with no way to get back to that team. That is, 
until Jesus made a way. You see, while we were yet sinners, while we yet missed the mark, Christ died for us. Christ's death and resurrection is the turning point in us getting back to our original design. Uh, This is what Romans 6.23 says. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is he saying? For the cost or the wages of our missing the mark, the wages of us turning our glory on ourselves, is physical death and spiritual death. What is he saying? Jesus acts, what Jesus did in living a perfect life, dying a death that he did not deserve and raising from the dead, he has paid the cost of sin's punishment. And now we have a way to get back to our original design and bring glory to God. And what's cool about this is in doing that, in living a life for God, we live an eternal life or a life greater than we could ever imagine. Jesus made a way for us to be God's skyscrapers again, to get back to our original purpose. These skyscrapers that are designed to give God the glory he deserves. We get the opportunity to make the name on the front of our jersey his name. That's the name that we get to live for. Not the name on the back, but the name on the front of our jersey. That's what our purpose is. The purpose of our lives is to glorify Jesus because he made a way for us to be what we were designed to be. And now look, I need to pause. Um, I know as I say this, that there's people right now that are listening to this um, that are not Christ followers. Um, and I just want to say real quick, I'm so glad you're here. If you're watching online um, and you just maybe stumbled upon it or you checked it out, I'm glad that you've taken the time to listen to this. Um, and even if you're in person and you're just investigating Jesus and you're just trying to figure out, man, I don't even know about this Jesus thing. I'm just here because my friend invited me or I'm trying to figure it out. I just want to say, I'm really glad you're here. <laughs> I'm really glad you're here. But I want to say real quick, this statement is not just something to preach on. Like, this is true. We believe this is truth. That the purpose of our lives or what our original design and intent is, is to glorify Jesus Christ. Or the goal of our life is to make the significance, importance, and power of Jesus make that on display for all to see. This is the purpose of our lives. So I'm glad you're here. I mean, if you want to talk to somebody about this, if you're like, want to know more, or how do I do that? Or what does that look like? I encourage you, talk to someone who's with you or even talk to one of us or email us at the church. We would love to talk to you more about how to do this. But even in in that conversation, even now, I'm going to talk a little bit about how do we do this? So how do we recalibrate our lives to glorify Jesus Christ? Well, let me ask you two questions. Let me ask you two questions that may help us figure out how to recalibrate our lives back to glorifying Jesus. So first question, first question, whose name is on the skyscraper of your life? Whose name is on the skyscraper of your life? Um, Is the name, is is it a testimony of your own power and strength or God's? Um, Look, if you're having a hard time answering this for yourself, I just encourage you this week, man, be vulnerable with someone you trust and ask him this. Whose name does my life glorify? Maybe ask your life group leader or someone who's discipling you. Um, They can probably speak into your life and help you answer that. Because here's the thing, we're designed to be the skyscraper for God. We've all missed the mark and at times we need help recalibrating back onto making our life being a skyscraper for God. This can help you by talking to someone else, gain understanding on whose glory you're about. So that's the first question. Whose name is on the skyscraper of your life? Second question is this. um, Is the skyscraper visible by those around you? 
Is the skyscraper visible by those around you? If you think about it, skyscrapers were never designed to be built in a desert for one person to see. They are built actually to be seen by those around them. Uh, they, they're, they're designed to be in a city to actually point to the one who built them. Uh, the Hancock Building was built in downtown Chicago for a reason. Um, the same is true for us. As we live our lives, we are not meant to live our life in isolation. We're not meant to just huddle in. We're actually meant to be skyscrapers in community so others can see the glory of God. And in that way, he can receive the glory he's due. First Peter 2.12, it actually says this thing. Check it out. It says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What is Peter saying here? Peter is telling us to treat people with such a high degree of love that when they ask us, why are we doing what we're doing? That we can talk about Jesus and his glory in our life. He's saying, man, live such good lives, do such good deeds, not so that you bring glory on yourself, but so that way you can point to Jesus. You can point to what he's done, to his significance, to his importance, to his power in our life, so that they too may be able to see the glory of God and become skyscrapers themselves. So I ask you this question again, is your skyscraper visible by those around you so people can see and know the power, significance, and importance of God? All right, so some of you may be asking, I want to glorify God. I get those questions, but how do I practically do that? What are some maybe first start steps in doing that? Well, here we go. Here are some simple ways I think that can help us recalibrate back. Here's the first one. The first one is this. Give credit where credit is due. Give credit to where credit is due. What do I mean by this? Um, let me ask you this question. Who do you typically give credit to? When something goes right, something's going well, or someone makes a comment to you, who do you give credit to? Yourself? Your teammates? In conversations, let me just say this. Give the God the credit. Give him the credit. Um, say his name. Say it out loud. It may feel strange or awkward to say that, but even just switching our verbiage from saying, I'm blessed, to God has been good to me. This move um, actually moves the credit or the glory from ourselves onto God and allows him to get the glory. And actually, here's what's cool. When someone says, hey, that um, gives you some sort of compliment and you're able to point to, yeah, God's been good. What you're doing is actually creating a door to be bold, to potentially share that love of God with that person. You can actually be a skyscraper pointing back to God's power, importance, and significance. So what's another way we can glorify God? Well, I think it's this. A second way is this. How we treat those around us matters. How we treat those around us matters. Look, every time we interact with people, remember, we are God's kavod. We are the significance, reputation, and importance of Jesus on display for others to see. We are the love of Christ on display for others. And not only that, but think about this for a second. You and I, as we go and do good things to share that name of Jesus with people, we are actually the skyscrapers, but the person that we're interacting with is also designed to be a skyscraper. So when we interact with them, we are the glory of God, but we are also able to interact with others who were designed to do that. And we can actually share that purpose with them so that they can be on mission, sharing God's love with others and bring people to him. We are God's skyscrapers. And every person we interact with, every single one, your neighbor, 
your child, um, your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your friend, every person you run into at all the other places, wherever, all of them are designed to be God's skyscrapers. And how we treat those other skyscrapers matters. <laughs> it does. So in closing, I have one challenge, one challenge. So a few months ago, we started an initiative here at the campus. It was called Pray For Your Three. Pray For Your Three. Simply put, we asked, who are three people in your life that you would want to see follow Jesus? Who are three people in your life that you want to see follow Jesus? Or in today's terms, who are three people in your life that you would love to see become skyscrapers for Jesus? With that in mind, here, here's the challenge. Maybe some names are coming to mind. Um, first off, pray for your three. Pray for them. Start that way. Pray for those names. And then here's the challenge. If given the opportunity, share with them the significance, reputation, and importance of Jesus in your life. Share with them. Man, I really encourage you, as you pray for those three, look for times and places for you to actually be a skyscraper in their life. Now, and I want to be cautious. Don't force this, <laughs> um, but be ready. Be bold at the time. Maybe this week, a conversation will come up. Or maybe there's a way that you can show the act of love and you can treat them well. Um, but man, when the time's right, give glory to God and be ready to have that conversation. Maybe it's this week. Maybe it's in weeks to come. But man, man, the purpose of our lives is to glorify Jesus. That's what it is. And in this challenge, that's what we can do. We can go and be God's skyscrapers with his name on the building of our life. The purpose of our lives is to glorify Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Um, Father God, you are a good God. God, um, I just thank you so much that we get to see your kavod on display in creation, that we get to see your power through the trees, the wind, um, the ground, God, even down to our DNA and even in people around us, that we get to see your power and your significance in those places. Um, God, you are a God that loves us so much that it hurts you when we turn our back on you and that when we become skyscrapers for ourselves. But God, I thank you that you don't cast us off, that instead, God, you have made a way for us to come back to you and get back to our original intent. Um, God, thank you so much for Jesus, that we get to play part of his team, the church, and that we get to go make your name known to those around us. God, I, I, I pray, um, God, give us the opportunities to make your name great, um, even if it's this week. God, remind us to be bold in the right times and give us the right words to say that we can point to you and give you the credit you deserve. God, thank you for creating us with a purpose. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.